there. You know, I played against Mike and Lambert and Magic and, and all that. But for the most part, you don't really think about it. But it's something that we both committed to do when we were kids. That if we ever had a chance to be successful, uh, we were going to come home and try to provide an opportunity uh, for kids that had, this, had the same struggles we had growing up. Hey there, everybody. We are talking some March Madness today, whether you're a basketball fan or not. You probably know what that means. Uh, good evening. Good morning to you. I'm Jason Dennis, your uh, host for the next uh, 30 minutes or so on this Run the Race podcast, which you can find any of the previous 100 episodes on WTVM.com slash podcast. We're also on uh, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, where you can write a quick review to tell us what you like about uh, what we're saying, talking about fitness and faith on a mostly weekly basis. And uh, we talk about sports sometime as well and how that mixes up with uh, fitness and faith. And we have a a great guest uh, when it comes to March Madness, a gentleman uh, from our area, from Columbus, Georgia, um, who has went on all around the nation and the world uh, playing professional basketball for nearly two decades. Also played college basketball just down the road in, in uh, at Mercer in Georgia, where he competed in the NCAA tournament in March Madness. So we're going to uh, talk to him uh, for the next little bit. Uh, but, you know, growing up in North Carolina myself, uh, big North Carolina Tar Heel fan, Dean Smith, Michael Jordan, and the gang. And, uh, you know, I played basketball, I think, just about every day since I was in elementary school and in the backyard and the playground and um, just shooting hoops and having fun. It's uh, always been one of my favorite sports to watch. And uh, I I feel like that uh, basketball and maybe hockey is close to have some of the most um, athletic people, the the best athletes in the world play those sports. And I know, you know, people make the argument maybe about football or baseball or soccer, but for me, basketball is right up there, you know, first or, or, or tied for first uh, as the most athletic. And, um, which, which I'm not really athletic, especially anymore. Uh, I can run. Uh, I, I can probably still play a little bit of basketball, but not as well, not as fast as I used to be when I was a lot younger as I'm now 46 years old. Um, but our guest for this podcast is about, you know, 10 years older than me. Um, and he's uh, played a lot better and more basketball than I have. Sam Mitchell uh, had a, an 18-year professional basketball career, 10 of those seasons with the Minnesota Timberwolves of the NBA, who he also coached in the interim. He also coached several other teams, including the Toronto Raptors from 04 to 08, winning the Coach of the Year Award for the entire NBA in 2007. He's now an analyst for a TSN, NBA TV, and Sirius XM NBA Radio. And we got the um, NBA playoffs starting here in less than a month from now. Like I mentioned, he played at uh, Mercer in Georgia in the early 1980s college basketball had 1,986 career points, second in school history. He also uh, owns the school's single-season scoring record, 774 points in 84-85. He graduated from Columbus High School, where my son is now a senior, back in 1981. Uh, So he's had a great career in college and and pro basketball. And kind of in between there, he enlisted in the Army during his junior year. And at the conclusion of the 1985 NCAA tournament, he went to boot camp at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, but uh, one month later, he was drafted by the Houston Rockets with the seventh pick 
of the third round in the 1985 NBA draft and uh, was cut but went on to play with the Wisconsin Flyers and the Continental Basketball Association, or CBA. Also played a few years overseas in France, but uh, but you know got that NBA career going in 1989 as a free agent with the new, at that time, Minnesota Timberwolves, where he helped to really uh, mold and mentor Kevin Garnett, who went on to be a, a superstar and an NBA champion as well. Um, and Sam Mitchell uh, retired from the NBA following the 2001-2002 season. Like I mentioned, went on to uh, coach an NBA team, be the coach of the year. Also coached briefly at the University of Memphis with Penny Hardaway um, back in 2018. He was inducted into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame in 2010. Also has a, a basketball awards uh, event happening in the next few hours later today and here in the Columbus, Georgia area, just south of Atlanta. So here's my conversation about March Madness and uh, all kinds of things like the NBA and uh, how faith intertwines with the sport and uh, how you know the NBA is doing uh, post-COVID as well and uh, about him doing his TV career now. All that and more from Sam Mitchell. I have with us now on the podcast uh, Sam Mitchell, uh, former professional basketball player and coach, and uh, grew up here in the uh, Columbus, Georgia area, going to high school here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, fitness and NBA and some of his memories and being a coach and a player, and uh, and also uh, we're going to talk about an up- upcoming basketball awards luncheon happening here in the uh, Chattahoochee Valley in West Georgia. But first, Sam, you know I, I know that you went uh, to school just down the road from us at Mercer and uh, scored nearly 2,000 career points, second in school history. Very impressive. And you also took your team to the NCAA tournament, uh, first time uh, in team history in 1985. I think they've been back only once since then. So kind of give us some of your memories or your thoughts, like as we're heading into uh, you know this March Madness, very exciting time for fans and for players. Uh, I just remember, you know, in college, the big thing is to try to win your conference uh, outright, uh, season, and then win the conference tournament. When you're playing in a mid-major small conference, you have to win the conference tournament to get a bid to the NCAA. So that was our focus going into the tournament, and it was it was fun. It was it was fun being a part of that field, that limited field, and uh, you know it didn't last long. We ran, we had I think we played Georgia Tech, who was ranked number two, and they beat us by five or six, something like that. It was a good game. But I just felt like uh, it was a great experience. And uh, I think a lot of the kids that opt not to go to college and play in the conference tournaments and and play in those things, I think they really miss out because you have the rest of your life to be a pro and you have a short-term uh, time to be a kid and enjoy basketball. And once you make that leap from college to the pros, it's no more fun. It's about business. That's your job. So I think a lot of kids do themselves a disservice because – you know, you think you want the money right then, but the money's going to be there. But, you know, you need to put some quality and time into enjoying yourself and enjoying the game. And I think they're missing out. NCAA is fun. And I know that you've, you know, spent three decades or so, you know, as, you know, a professional basketball a player and coach now. Um, and so, you know, looking kind of – uh, from the college perspective, like you're talking about, you know, it's a, I guess it's a, a different feel when you're an 18, 19, 20 year old versus that pro level. Because I know from a, from a fan's perspective, it's really cool to see the, the parody and anybody can be anybody on a, on a given night, you know, when you're, when you're watching this. 
Yeah, and that's the hope is that anybody can get these. And I mean, it's very rare that a, a one seed is going to lose to a 16 or a two to a 15. But the fact that it could happen is what's intriguing. And every year you have a team that make an unlikely run or deep run. And, you know, the question every year is which team is that going to be this year? Which mid-major, mid-major rather, is going to have opportunity to upset some of the big boys? Because to me, that's what the tournament is about. It's about the little guy having a chance to compete with the big guys on the same plane the same uh, uh, level playing field. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk on this podcast as well about, you know, faith and also and fitness. And so, you know, you, uh, I guess, officially retired from uh, pro basketball from the NBA about 20 years ago. So for you, is that – have you continued kind of some of that routine of uh, – I know it was very rigorous, you know, this 82-game uh, season and, and trying to, to stay fit, but uh, kind of post-NBA, is that something that's still, you know, kind of top of mind for you? Jason, I want to be honest with you. I've been working out my entire life since I was a kid. Yeah. I don't remember when I started but I can tell you when I finished. And uh, I do a little bit uh, because obviously staying fit is important. I do more watching what I eat. I do more. But the training like I used to, no. No, I just don't have the mentality for that. And my body can't take it anymore. So, you know, I got the most out of my body that I could during during these early years. And now my body's kind of like in recovery and repair and damage control. So, yeah. It's no, a, I, I would be lying to say I get up every morning and work out for two hours. <laughs> well, and, and it's a lot different when you're 25, 30 years old and, and uh, playing in the NBA against some of the best athletes in the world. And speaking of that, you know, you had, uh, you know, 18 years, you know, kind of some um, with the CBA, some with the NBA. And so, uh, you know, do you look back fondly on, on this career? Because obviously, you know, you're – it, it, I'm sure it was an honor to be able to do that, play with you know, against guys like Michael Jordan, playing with guys like Kevin Garnett, who you helped groom. So uh, do you look back and say, man, that was just an amazing run? No, I don't think anyone does. I just think life is about continuing to move forward. Uh, you know, that's why the rearview mirror is smaller than the front glass in your car. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be focused on going ahead, man. And now, and every now and then you think about the – I don't think about games. I don't think about teams. I think about people. I think about my teammates. You know, the games are a blur. We play, I play in so many games. Uh, it, it's a blur. But the relationships, being in the locker room, on the plane, the intimate moments with my teammates and coaches, those are things I remember. Not, not the game because the games were just a blur. And I know, you know, you spent a, a good chunk, I think about 10 seasons with the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, do you um, – and, and I know you also coach them on the interim. I mean, do you, do you have like a rooting interest now as you're watching? I mean, is it like for the Timberwolves, is that something that you spent probably your most time with them? No, because my job now is to watch all the teams. And yeah. I also played for the Indiana Pacers. So professional sports, unless you were fortunate enough to go to a place and play your entire career there – it's just hard to have those ties. Don't get me wrong. I have friends and relationships still in Minneapolis. But as far as a tie to the uh, organization, I would say probably no. And, and that's kind of normal how, how it is. You know, it's the new guy's turn. And uh, us old guys, we've had our time. And now you move on. And, you know, no one owes you anything. The, the fans and the people in the organization treated me great when I played for Tim Wilson. 
now it's the new guys, the, the Carl Anthony Towns, the Anthony Edwards, it's their time now, DeAndre Russell. And so I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> and, and like you said, you know, you're kind of you take off the uniform and you've for for a while now put on the microphone and the headset and and kind of been you know the analyst and kind of giving your expert opinion from your years of of coaching and playing. So and it's and it's a different world now in the NBA. You know, money and and a lot of other things kind of behind the scenes. And lately, obviously, we've dealt with this kind of with the, the COVID uh, you know uh, pandemic over the last two years, and it's still affecting the NBA. You got things like you know Kyrie Irving and, and the Vax mandate. Do you think that is um, there's there's been a lot of focus on that versus what happens on the court? Well, it's part of it because if that keeps a player off the court, then it's part of the narrative. So it says, look, it's the last two years have been trying on all different levels for people, not just in sports, but in everyday life. And, it, you know, finally, it seems like we're learning how to live with this a little bit and and move on with our life. And we've lost a lot of Americans, you know, a lot of brothers and sisters to this disease. And, uh, but we're, you know, hopefully we're, we're smarter. Hopefully we're better. Hopefully we're more together and hopefully going through these things. I think God is trying to send us a message together. You stand divided, you fall. If you're going to live in darkness, you're going to fall. We better start trending toward the light and start believing the truth. And when I hear people say alternative facts and alternative truth, and people actually accept that. This is what I would say to people. Okay, you're going to accept the alternative facts and alternative truth down here on earth. What are you going to do when you meet God at the pearly gates? Yeah. Because uh, I, I got news flash for you. Those alternative facts and truths, they're not going to fly with him. It's going to be black and white. What's going to be your excuse then? Were you then? Were you just a part-time Christian? Were you only for what you wanted to be right and what was not right in reality? So it's going to be amazing to me that the, my biggest disappointment is that too many of us we've let our personal bias influence the truth. And I may not like certain things that are going on in my life. I may not like certain things that are going on in the country. I may not like where the country is t trending, but if it's the truth, then deal with it. Yeah. And, and I, and I know that, you know, for, uh, you know, the, the, the truth now is that there's, I mean, it's great to see the fans finally being able to be back in some fashion at the NBA, because I know, you know, that's, that's an important part of the game. It's, it's what happens on the court, but having the fans there supporting and being able to enjoy um, the, this great athleticism, right? Yeah, I mean, you want the fans, but you just want people back to their life as as normal as possible. And, you know, people say, well, how do you get back to normal? Well, it's a new normal. Yeah. I mean, we're people, man. We can adjust. You know, your entire life has been about adjustments. From the time you the doctor slapped you on your rump, you've been <laughs> adjusted. And so people act like every time they've asked to be, to be asked to adjust, they lose their mind. But then after they stop kicking and screaming, they realized not only was the, the adjustment necessary, it was better for the betterment. So, you know, the fans are back. Hopefully uh, this summer, you know, the numbers are just almost obsolete, just gone. And then hopefully in the wintertime that we have enough information about this, this uh, disease to where we don't have all of the, the chaos surrounding whether or not to get vaccinated or not. Yeah.
And I know for you, you know, you were talking about, about God earlier about, uh, you know, you had you know, years of coaching the Toronto Raptors and other teams. And, and uh, you know, as a coach, do you get a chance to – I mean, obviously you're teaching X's and O's and you're kind of helping them on the court get better and work well as a team. But do you, do you, did you also focus a lot on, like, just the mental strength and even faith? Is that something that were, you were allowed to or, or maybe felt like it was, a, you know, important to prioritize that as part of the game and the process as well? No, but, you know, you have to be careful because you can't bring your personal beliefs as far as your spiritual beliefs into a locker room because you have people from all different walks of life, yeah. all different backgrounds from all over the world. And and as a coach, you have to be careful because the co-head coach carries a lot of weight in the locker room. And you don't want players to gravitate towards your belief because they think it's going to give them an advantage or something. Or you don't want players to think – they're not being treated fair because they don't have your same belief system. So those are things you have to be careful. But if a player comes to my office, close the door and want to talk to me about uh, his faith, his beliefs and things of that nature, that's a different conversation that I can have. You have to have a personal relationship with your players in order to get the best out of them. You have to know them, but you also have to be careful not to inject your personal beliefs to them. And I imagine it's it's different. Like, I know that you worked at Memphis briefly. It's, it's, I'm sure it's a, a much different feel coaching in NCAA basketball versus coaching NBA basketball. The guys making some of them, you know, millions of dollars. That's, I'm sure that's a, a totally maybe different scenario there. It is, but at the end of the day, it's basketball. And, you know, I tell players this all the time. No one ever asked me how much money I made, or I never cared what another guy made. If anything, the more money you make, the bigger targets on your back. Yeah. Because you just have to think of it from this standpoint, a competitive standpoint. If you're one of the highest paid players in the league and I'm playing against you and I beat you and I play you, then it gives me an opportunity to go in and, and, and bang on the desk and say, hey, I'm just as good. I deserve a raise. And so I tell people this, the hardest thing in professional sports is to be the best player. Because you have a target on your back, and you literally have to bring it every night. That's why I respect the Michael Jordans, the great ones. Because if you take a night off, someone has just made uh, their career off you. So you have to bring it every night. And I'm sure for you, I mean, when you're playing, you know, back in uh, the 90s, I mean, some people kind of see that as maybe some of the glory years of the NBA, you know, some uh, guys like, you know, like you said, Michael Jordan and Magic and Bird. So, I mean, was that, do you look back and say, man, that was, um, you know, uh, to be able to play against some of those guys that are, you know, going to be talked about forever, you know? Only when someone like you asked me the question. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we don't, we don't, you got to understand, I, I, I know those guys, I played against them. They were great players, but, you know, I had great players on my team. Obviously, those guys are iconic. But at the time when you're playing against them, you're trying to win. Yeah. You want to beat them. And, you know, you respect everyone, but you fear no one. So, you know, you had to be careful that you couldn't let that, that person name get into your mind where you couldn't go out and do your job. So, you know, when people ask me about it, I think about it. But no, not really, because I played 13, 14 years against those guys. And when you play that long against those guys, you just, you know, you look you look at things different. You know, you, you look at, uh, you know, the wins and losses against them and the times you beat them. But 
Yeah, I guess I guess maybe one day when I'm all done and someone asks me about it, then I'll sit back and say, you know, I played against Mike and Larry Bird and Magic and, and all that. But for the most part, you don't really think about it. Yeah. Uh, well, two more quick things. I wanted to get to the awards luncheon as well, but also I wanted to. I know that you know you you work you know with uh, NBA TV and Sirius XM. So any, um, I know we're still about a month left in this in the NBA regular season, or maybe three weeks, um, and getting close to the playoffs and all those playing games and stuff. Any um, any predictions in terms of what you think could happen in terms of a you know a, a dominant team doing what they're supposed to be doing, or, or a surprise team, or even like LeBron and the Lakers because that's been a lot of talk you know lately yeah um <laughs> i think for the first time in a long time there are no clear cut favorites obviously we got some teams that we think phoenix Suns has been the best team all year uh then you look at milwaukee to defend the champs they're getting healthy they're starting to play better but i think you have then you look at philadelphia with the addition of james Harden. but you have to look at brooklyn when Kyrie and bsm is able to play on a consistent basis so it's just going to take some time and, and, and see. But I think it's going to be exciting for the playoffs this year because, you know, you have a lot of different scenarios and things that can happen. Yeah, and I know you being, you know, uh, growing up in, uh, here in the, the Georgia area, the Atlanta Hawks, any, any thoughts on uh, what uh, Trey Young and the crew, uh, how, uh, what, how they're looking? <laughs> well, I just think, you know, it's just they, they would be the first to admit they've had a disappointing season yeah. based on how they played last year. But, you they're probably going to get into the play-in. And so for them to get back to where they were last year, it's going to be tough. But they're a young team, Vizalia. they got a good coach in Nate Brent Miller. So they can make a run. The playoffs about who's playing good at the time. And if the Hawks can get their defense tight and, and start playing with some confidence like they did last year, who knows? Because it's, it's basically the same team. So uh, they have a puncher's chance because of Trey Young. He's been outstanding and um, but there's a lot of good teams that you got to try to leapfrog, so it's going to be tough. Yeah, especially you know talking five or seven game series for sure. Well, uh, before we close, I wanted to talk about the Saymark Foundation, the second annual Boys and Girls. Uh, by City High School Basketball Awards luncheon happening this Thursday lunchtime. Um, and um, so uh, I know that for you it's important to kind of come back home and important to support, you know, young people who are doing great things on and off the court. So, you know, this kind of event, you know, what does it mean to you to be a part of it and, and you know, in Columbus? Well, it's just coming home, man, and, and look, recognizing, I think it's been a long time since we had an award ceremony, a banquet for the boys and girls are basketball players. And so we just want to acknowledge the men and women, young men and women for their accomplishment and the coaches for their achievements and shine a spotlight on these players and give them the recognition that they deserve. And, and this is our second year doing it. And hopefully this is something that we can continue because uh, we need to we need to shine the spotlight on young people who are doing the right thing and again better. And uh, for you, I mean, is that something that, you know, it, it's a, uh, you know, because, you, you know, you're well known uh, in, in basketball circles. And uh, what do you hope that people get out of it overall? Not just the players, but just, you know, the public seeing this, you know. This is myself and Mark Upshaw, yeah. my best friend, our foundation. It's something that, that we're actively involved in every single thing we do. We're not, we don't have a committee of people that do all the groundwork for us. Uh, Mark and I do it ourselves. And a lot of it is, 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 is done driving back and forth between Atlanta and meetings and Zoom calls 
and my partner Mark, Mark Upshaw carries the uh, majority of the water with that. So, it, it, but it's something that we both committed to do when we were kids. That if we ever had a chance to be successful, uh, we were going to come home and try to provide an opportunity uh, for kids that had this, had the same struggles we had growing up. And so, I think this is like our seventeenth or eighteenth year of the camp this summer. Uh, so, we're proud of that and. It's just something we want to continue, and it's just uh, we just want to get as many people involved as possible because you know we're everybody's always talking about the young people and how hard it is and the crime and this and that, but no one wants to participate. So it's time to get off the sideline, participate, and show these young people that we care about them and we're going to support them. Well, you're definitely doing a great job. I think, like you said, it's so important to recognize young people for doing the right things and not just kind of bad-mouthing this generation, that kind of thing, and, and showing that, like, hey, this is a, an opportunity, a, a way maybe, you know, out to, to do something good and, and be a productive citizen. So we appreciate all you've done. And thank you so much for your time, Sam. I know you're busy uh, with uh, NBA stuff and everything else on the road, and uh, so uh, we appreciate it so much. You're welcome. Enjoy it. And that event uh, that we were talking about earlier is called the Say Mark Foundation Second Annual Boys and Girls by City High School Basketball Awards Luncheon happening later today, Thursday, March 17th at 11.30 a.m. at St. Luke Ministry Center in Columbus. Uh, he is, of course, uh, one of the speakers. Uh, Chattahoochee Valley Sports Hall of Famers, not only Sam Mitchell, but his friend and partner Mark Upshaw. That's how they got the name, Say Mark Foundation. So uh, you can, uh, I think they still got some tables for sale for $400 for a uh, table uh, of eight. And again, this is uh, benefiting some great young people. And like you said, so important to put a spotlight on young men and women doing the right thing on and off the court. Really appreciate, um, you know, Sam being honest about, you know, his faith in God and about uh, just, you know, misinformation and uh, just kind of moving on with our lives, but uh, really going towards the light, not towards the darkness and uh, things that are not part of the truth. And uh, so uh, Sam's got a lot of great experience in basketball, but a lot of great experience in life as well. Turning now to our uh, final segments of the podcast, uh, we have some food for thought for you uh, when it comes uh, to uh, just uh, our neighboring state, Alabama, and how faith kind of uh, had a pivotal moment for one basketball team. This story comes from CNN, and uh, I remember us covering it as well uh, last month. Uh, it's called an Alabama high school basketball team says they were forced to choose faith over a tournament game. And, and now Alabama's governor, Kay Ivey, she was demanding answers just a few weeks ago uh, after this team uh, was uh, forced to choose between faith or a game. Uh, so this was uh, in Huntsville, uh, just a little north of Birmingham. Uh, Oakwood Adventist Academy, a Seventh-day Adventist school in, in Huntsville, uh, their men's basketball team advanced to the semifinals of their state tournament, and uh, the school's athletic director, uh, Calvin Morton, 
uh, says for their regional semifinal game, it was set for Saturday, February 19th at 4.30 p.m., and it was going to interfere with their Sabbath, which is observed from sundown Friday to sundown on Saturday. So they emailed the Alabama High School Athletic Association to see if they could play at 7.30 p.m., Instead, after sunset, to meet those you know religious beliefs, but the request was denied. The team says they have no regrets, though, in their decision to forfeit the game to meet their religious beliefs. Other teams were willing to kind of adjust schedules, but uh, the uh, the state group was not willing to do that. The governor invited the principal, the players, and the coaches of this basketball team to the Alabama Capitol to celebrate that team's achievements and talk about their time in the tournament. So uh, Governor Ivey was uh, just uh, going to bat for them and and uh, was demanding answers about what was actually happening. Uh, it hasn't been resolved yet, but again, this is a, a fight for their faith. This Alabama basketball team and the school uh, felt strong enough about, for sure. And uh, turning now to uh, one of our segments we try to do every single week here on the Run the Race podcast, a parting gift for you. This one comes from the Bible. Uh, it's, it's a short one, but a really a very, very important one. It's Colossians 4.2. This is the New Living Translated Version. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Again, this comes from Colossians. So, you know, having that prayer life on a regular basis, every day, pray without ceasing. But this one, it says, you know, have that alert mind and a thankful heart. So if you have those two things while you're praying, while you're thinking about God and your life and the challenges you're facing and the things that you praise God for, you know, alert mind and thankful heart. And closing our podcast now in prayer, dear God, I just thank you for uh, the ability to, to celebrate sports and athletic achievements and basketball, whatever else, that, that God, uh, we look to you uh, for everything that we need. And uh, thank you for the opportunity you know, to talk on this podcast about you uh, giving you glory uh, no matter what. And enjoy amidst the sorrows. We pray for the people of Ukraine as they continue to, to be attacked by Russia and so many people hurting and dying and uh, just helpless and innocent people that are uh, going through such very difficult times. We pray for their, 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 their peace to happen there, for a resolution that America does what, the, what we can do to help in that situation. And God, uh, we just uh, thank you again for, uh, for your mercies that are new every morning. You name it, pray. Amen. And uh, folks, if you haven't listened to the last episode, number 100, we celebrated that for uh, the Run the Race podcast by having kind of a best of. We had, uh, you know, kind of a helping uh, some highlights of about 20 uh, former guests from the last year, uh, uh, really inspiring, motivating stuff and uh, just little snippets, uh, especially if you've missed any of the episodes. And so we so appreciate you choosing us and, and listening and uh, and good luck with your brackets, March Madness. Hope you filled one out. Maybe you have a little time left to do that. And uh, I'm finishing up mine now before the uh, most of the games start uh, around uh, just before 1 o'clock on Thursday and go uh, the first round Thursday and Friday. More games this weekend, and uh, then we'll have a Final Four in just a few weeks. So uh, go Tar Heels, and I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day after listening. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast.